0: And, and that frees up some seats. If you're up somewhere up there and you want to come down, there's seats available. There's some here in the front. I'm going to be down here in the front a little bit, but I won't hurt you. All right. I want to begin today. We've been in a series called Victory, and I want to begin with a video today that I think will set the tone for today. We're going to be looking in Psalm 23 and some other verses, a lot of verses today. And so let's, that video's ready, let's roll that, and I'll come right back. Why is waiting such a part of spirituality? Because waiting is where faith actually becomes necessary. I mean, think about it, a God of immediate gratification requires no faith. It's in the waiting and the silence where faith actually develops. And so the three days that exist between the crucifixion and the resurrection, they teach us what? That the presence of silence never equals the absence of God. And the eight days that exist between Thomas screaming his doubt into the sky and God actually appearing to him teach us that God is in both the miraculous appearance and the eight days of silence. The presence of silence never means the absence of God. So the challenge of waiting is to actually allow faith to do its work, trusting that on the other side of this period of silence, I will have a richer, deeper, more alive faith than I did before. We'll share that again later. But I wanted to set the tone with that because of the what it is to have the sense of that God's not with us and God hasn't responded. Because it's awesome when God responds, like right now, I've seen Him do that. I've experienced that. Many of you have. But there's sometimes that it doesn't. Sometimes it is three days, and sometimes it is eight days. And that has a very clear message that, yes, God, uh, the silence, the sense, the feeling that God is not near is not true, is not true. The presence of silence never means the absence of God. We've been looking, though, and I'm letting that set the tone for the valley because uh, everything we're talking about, this video, everything we're in the previous weeks, and I'm, I'm going to take less time to recap today, because we've got all these on YouTube and Facebook. I invite you to look back and take a look. But we've been, we got this started centering on our thought life, the idea that we could take captive every thought, and that comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. The Apostle Paul, he tells us we're in a fight, we're in a war. He says in verse 3, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. But we're still in a war. He says, on the contrary, they have divine power. That's God's power. Power that is often unseen, but has great results. Very effective. To do what? To demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension So strongholds, arguments, pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. That whatever God says, these are against what God says. But we have the option, we have the ability, we have the active participation part to take captive every thought. How many thoughts? Every thought. To do what with it? To make it obedient to Christ. That we have direction from God's word. We have direction for our lives and so we're, we're analyzing every thought. You have already had thousands of thoughts today. You're Many of you thinking right now, it is so hot in here. You're accurate. It is hot, but one of these days it's going to rain. And it's going to start cooling down. And I'm praying that's any day. And I'll pray that at least for a few weeks. And then I'll get tired of that. But it is going to bring the temperature down. But there are thoughts. See, you're, you're hearing me, but you're also hearing your own mind. And there are a number of other thoughts. I, up until this week, and I said, don't worry about it, guys, today, but we've had a table, a larger table, and I've had a chair, and we've had chairs around the table. And so I just need you to imagine with me. I thought you could do that by now. Because those other chairs are other, other voices. There are other voices that are contrary to, to what God wants to speak into your life and what God speaks through His Word. There are different voices. We've sang today about you are a child of God. You, you have sung that as an anthem and a declaration. You need to get that down deep, though. Because there will be other voices that say, no, you're, there's nothing new about you. That's for everybody else in the room. Because where you come from, yeah, we know that's not going to work. We know you're not having victory in your life. That, th- those are the kind of thoughts that come at you throughout the day. And so you're discerning then, is the thought that I'm hearing, is this from God, my Father, is this from His Word or not? And once you once you know where the thought is coming from, then you do something about it. Because if it's not from God, then we can, again, be proactive. We take captive, we bind up that thought. No way. I'm not believing that. And see, you've got to do that. As a new believer, you've got to do that. As a seasoned believer, you've got to do that. You've got to take captive every thought. And you may sit here and think, well, goodness, that's really hard. I've had thousands of thoughts already today. It is hard. But we've said before, you see, you're either going to take captive your thoughts or your thoughts are going to take you captive. And that's going to lead you down a bad place and a bad trail and a place where you're going to then act on those thoughts and make bad decisions and repeat patterns of sinful behavior. And not experience victory in your life. And we as a church, we're sharing this and slowing this down and narrowing this down. Because we want you to walk with your Heavenly Father because He wants you to be victorious in your life. And sometimes, oftentimes, if not every time, we need the ability to make practical application for our life. So many of you look out here today. You've heard thousands of messages. You know the Word of God. You know. And, and sometimes that's the most dangerous place. You know everything, and you're not seeking new application. And you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself right now, or someone's helping you think, oh, that he's crazy. Don't even worry about that. Live the life. YOLO. Keep going. But I'm speaking from a voice, from a position of of seeing you be victorious in your Christian life. That's what I want for you as your pastor. That's what your heavenly father, more importantly, wants for you as his child. And I believe if I were to poll the audience right now, you all would say, yes, I want to walk in victory. Amen. I mentioned strongholds. I'm going to touch on that for a moment. I was asked earlier, how was your week? I've been asked that a couple times this morning. And I, I've said, I've determined early this morning, I'm going to be honest. I've had a terrible week. It was terrible. But I feel great this morning. Why is that? And I'm, I, because I believe God is with me, He's never left me. I, there, there may have been some times of silence this week, but I'm doing battle every day. But let me tell you something. I'm winning. (laughs) I'm winning. I'm winning. (laughs) And you can win. You should be winning. There's been some moments of silence. There's been attacks. There's been some strongholds in play this week. Trying to bring discouragement into my life. Trying to force me to choose money even over what I know to be true from the word of God. You hear me say often to you about sexual morality, And so I thought, I'm going to say it again today. The word of God is very clear about sexual morality. But your culture is not. And, And perhaps even your family, your friends, your workplace, your neighborhood. Your supporters, missionary your consumers, business leaders, that they keep you quiet regarding this. And you avoid it. I know you do. It's very quiet. I know many of you, you, you encourage me, you support me, but I'm, out, I'm the one out front. And I've taken some shots this week. And many of you are silent. And I'm telling you, church, the day is coming when you will not be able to be silent. You will make the same choice that I made this week. Whether you will adhere to the word of God or you will cave in for the sake of profit and finances and let's don't offend anybody. But I'm telling you let this be prophetic to you, your day is coming. You will have to choose this day who you will serve. And I declared long ago, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There is no other. There is no other way. And I'm, I'm thankful. I am thankful. Nothing like a shofar. Thank you, Christian. Declaring the way of the Lord. Because church, you will not be able to be silent forever. You will too, if you have not already, you will choose this day who you will serve. And I've been able to reaffirm that this week. Who I serve. Who I follow. Whose word is true. and, And what word and what culture say is not. And say no. I will not affirm your sexual morality. Because the word of God. It is not a philosophy. It is the living word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. I have walked with God. He is with me. He is with me today. He has been with me this week. Some days have been silent, but He is with me. He is with me. He, He can be with you. He should be with you. You should have the confidence that He is with you. There's a, there is a level of maturity, child of God, that will come to your life when you, when you move from the place where you confidently, just despite circumstances around you, but you confidently declare and know within your being, my God is with me. doesn't matter if I lost a job. My God is with me. It doesn't matter what circumstance I'm going through. What diagnosis comes? My God is with me. That is your maturity that you should be pursuing. If you're not there yet, then child of God, dig in. Allow yourself to be discipled. Allow yourself to walk through the valley. Allow God to do a work in your life. Spiritual strongholds. They develop as we disobey repeatedly. You get so used, you get callous to disobeying what God speaks to your life. So much self-worship today. Self-care today. Self-idolatry today. If it doesn't feel good, we're just not going to do it. And I don't want to offend anybody. And why? Because you peel back the layers, and it's always about the money. It's always about the profits. It's always that first, because that is a level of comfort. And we continue to do that, and we disregard the counsel of God, His Word, and it strengthens a stronghold. Let me tell you, 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 you sit here today and you think, well, I, I don't know anything about a stronghold. Let me tell you that when I mention sexual morality. And your defenses rise up within you, where you begin to get angry and irritated and agitated. When I talk about sexual morality, you need to check yourself. When you when you look and search yourself and realize. I'm not there, and I can't do that. And pastor, I, I can't believe you're saying that. And you're so mean spirited. No, I'm not. I love God, and I love people, and I've seen the Lord, my God, deliver me from path of destruction and generations of sexual immorality. I know what it is to be delivered, and I know that my God is a deliverer. He's a waymaker. He makes a way. Where there seems to be no way. He makes a way in my life and he'll do it in yours. And that, so that's either words on a page or it's a philosophy or it's a conversation that I have with my God who's alive this very morning. And I'm counting on him. I'm walking with him. And I encourage you to do the same. Check yourself with strongholds. We shouldn't be irritated. We should be teachable and repentant and on guard and not letting a stronghold develop in our life. Psalm 23. Psalm 23. I'm going to read verse 4. You're welcome to read all of that today, but I'm going to read verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Lord, I pray today, God, your word, it's not my words, it's your word. I pray upon the hearing of your word, either in person here today or online or down the road, God, that your spirit, your love, your mercy confirms your word today. God, you love the sinner. You love the sinner like me. You sent me grace and mercy. And you'll do the same for anyone. Your love endures forever. And may the listener today understand that. You don't affirm us in our sin, but you call us out. You call us to a place of repentance. And I'm so glad that you do. Because you don't leave us alone. You you bring deliverance. You bring healing. You change us for generations. We love you, Lord, and we pray you lead us in these few minutes in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I shared with you last week and continue to about sheep, guys. Psalm 23, it's written by a shepherd, son of a shepherd. He understands sheep, sheep that can't see very well, sheep that are unstable. They're not very fast. They're not very quick. They're prone to disease. They they, they can't relax. They're not going to lay down if they're hungry. If they're irritated with one another. If they're fearful, they're just not going to lay down. But that's, that's the perspective. And so David looking at how can I best illustrate this. And he, as a shepherd himself, identifies as a sheep and points us to his father who is the Lord. Who is his shepherd. Who brings him to a place of not wanting. David knew what it was to walk through a valley. He had walked. And stood on the valley of Elah. Facing a giant. Nine feet tall. Goliath. Taunting God. Not really much different than what I experienced this week. People taunting God. Thinking that God is absent. And that God doesn't care and God is not involved. And so he makes his claims. He makes his boast. But David has experience. Not with a giant like Goliath necessarily, but with a lion, with a bear. And he's seen success. He's seen God's faithfulness. And so he looks out over this valley and he sees this giant and he determines one thing. And that is that God is with him and because God is with him the battle is the Lord the battle belongs to the Lord and he has absolute confidence that the Lord will back him the Lord has his back and will bring down this giant turns down the armor gets his sling ready brings down the nine foot giant takes off his head he knows what it is The valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. The valley. The valley. The the place where it's low. And sometimes it's long. And we would prefer to be on the peaks. And on the high places. And experiencing God. And where everything is good. And it's always a joy. And there is no attacks upon my life. Or my character. Or... Things are going so well. Everything's great in my health. Everything's great in my family. Everything's great in my ministry, my business. Everything is awesome. And we love those peaks. But in the valley, in the valley, it's unknown. In the valley, it's the shadow of death. It, it, it It is the dark valley. I've done quite a number of funerals through the years, and this is the verse. This is... This is what we go to preachers. This is we, we share this in the in the element of and in the reference point of funerals. We share that there and it's appropriate because we're not to fear. We're not to fear evil. We're not to fear death. But we're, we, we have the confidence that God is with us. But reality is that we're this side of a funeral home that we are also walking many times through a valley. Where you are waiting on God. And where there is silence. Where you like Thomas. Where you, you declare. Well it's, but where are you? And I, I doubt. And you, you don't believe. And, and then nothing happens. And then you continue. And it goes on for days. And sometimes it's weeks. And months. And even years. That we're walking in a valley experience. And again, referencing, pointing to your maturity level as a believer, your anchor will be, is God with me or not? You begin to doubt that God is with you or confuse that because things are silenced, that that indicates that God is not with you, you will be facing a tough time because the voices are going to come from all sides of the table. You've got a shepherd that's saying, listen to my voice, follow after me. You're trying to listen, but there's every voice of discouragement. And Paul says we're not battling against flesh and blood. But sure could have fooled me this week. But how is that? Because there are strongholds set up in people's lives where they're not open to the Word of God. They're not open to the Spirit of God. And so it's manifested in a very physical way. But quietly I'm praying and confidently I'm praying that yes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What's the option though? Let's say you sit here today and and you're not so sure. It's been quiet and you're not confident. You're not to that level, honestly, of... Of being confident that God is with you. What is the other option? Because you're going to have confidence in something. And if you're not going to trust in God when you're in the valley. You're going to trust in something. And you're going to transfer that trust, and that confidence. That should be in the Lord your God, your shepherd. But you're going to transfer that then to your spouse. And if they can't handle it, then you're going to transfer your attention and your confidence to your friends and your family. Help me. Bail me out. Give me some support. Lead me. Help me. Or you'll go to your church. And here we are this morning, and, and I, everybody here is battling something. Everybody is. Nobody here perfect. Everybody's got a challenge going on. Somebody's got some pressure in their life. But here it is. If you're not trusting God, then you're trusting in those around you. Thank God you have a church community. But see, they're not perfect. They're not the one to be worshipped. We worship only one. But it's the one who has promised to be with us. And if you get nothing else today,
1: I want you to leave
0: here today with absolute confidence that God is with you. And that you won't leave here until you're confident of that today. That you won't leave for any other reason. If need be, you'll come down here and pray earlier and you uh, later and grab a hold of the altar and you'll not leave here until you have a godly confidence that he is with you. You're no longer going to cry out and depend upon your spouse, your friends, your family, or even your church, even your pastor. It's going to be you and your God. And you're going to find that here today. All of these things will disappoint otherwise. Some of you think we're in a valley sometimes, we're walking through, and that's, that's worth noting too. It's not in the valley and dying in the valley. David's walking, and he has a great reference of a great valley with a great big giant, but he's walking through it. Yeah, it looks deadly. It's a dark valley. There is the threat of death. It's very real, but I'm walking through it because God has called me. God's given me vision. God's given me opportunity. Many of you have let me know over the last Six weeks we've been doing this. You, you, you. Some of you thanked me in person or digitally and said, "You know, thank you for this word. It's timely. It's very helpful for my life and helpful for my walk." And and, and God's speaking to me. Amen. God's speaking, and I. And for the most part, you're in agreement with that. I think that that's very widespread in the room but let me don't me just suggest to you for a moment that some of you even though God speaks do you know that he speaks not just to be heard but to to be obeyed many of you have heard him have you obeyed him because look, let me give you an illustrate it for you in another way see some of you um, you're very motivated. If I were to say to you, "Hey, I've got a tip for you on a property to buy, and you need this, and it's going to profit you X amount of dollars," uh, you would flood my phone. You'd flood that number. Let me in. Tell me about it. And I say, "Okay, then I need you to take some action steps. I'm going to need your your DPI, your passport, your your uh, your financial records. I need you to make a deposit, fill out an application." I I could gather applications today. Because here's the thing. Some of you are amazing planners when it comes to anything with profit. You'll take action. You'll go and do. Do you do that same type of planning with what God speaks to you? We strategize, we plan for our finances. You've got a five-year plan for your finances. You've got a retirement plan for your finances. The same thinking and strategy need to be part of our spiritual obedience. Now, it's no surprise it's so quiet right now. I mean, it gets quiet when I, when I talk crazy talk. But I'm challenging you, child of God, to be obedient to what God's asking you to do. So many of us, God speaks, and then you don't take tangible next steps to do anything about it. One of you contacted me this past week. explained to me what God was asking you to do and gave me a plan and a detailed plan of what was needed for that to be accomplished. Guess what we did? We supported financially that plan because somebody's taking some action. Many of you have not because you ask not. You're not worried about the plans that God has. God's asked you simple things. Get involved in community. Get involved in that small group that's meeting on Tuesday or Wednesday or Friday. Uh, you, you don't have time for that. God's asked you to launch a ministry. Start a nonprofit. You, you don't have time for that. Oh, I, I, That's way too much money. God calling some of you, I believe I believe we have an incubator in this room of church planters. But God's dealing with you about taking some next steps. You see, you might need to take a course. You might need to sell something. You might need to say no to that extra expense. God is calling you to working on you to, to take some tangible next steps, church, and you put it off and you put it off. And I'm challenging you today that if you would apply the same strategic thinking that all of you do uh, for your finances, if you would apply it to the kingdom of God for a moment. Walk into the valley. Use your planning, use your strategy. Here's why. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. The God who knows you, the God who's with you, the God also preparing in advance things for you to do. That's exciting. Who doesn't want in on that if you're a child of God? And you know that God is with you. I want in on the things, the good works that He has prepared in advance for me to do. But James chapter 4 and verse 17 says this. Anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Let that rest on you for a moment. You know the good you ought to do and you don't do it. You know that God, the God who is with you, calls you to do things he's prepared in advance for you to do. And you don't embrace it, you don't strategize for it, you don't sacrifice for it, you don't walk in it. You're in the valley. God has spoken to you. Embrace what he has called you to do. Some people are like, "Oh, it just takes so long, pastor. It just, you know, I just I've been at this. I've been been st- you're just working at it and it's been been years. Why is that a struggle? Because we live in the world and in the land of instant gratification. You want it right now. And it's a terrible example. Parents, fathers. For your children. That all they see is what instant gratification when you could be walking in patience just a bit and showing your children, this is what God's called us to do. And we're operating in faith. We don't see it yet. We don't have it yet. But it's faith plus an element of patience. And it's going to deliver the promise that God settled upon our heart. And I I didn't make that up. That's in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12. Do we have that? The writer of Hebrews, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience, faith plus patience, does what? Inherit what has been promised. Now, this is in the context of um, heroes of the faith, and specifically Abraham, that, you know, in spite of his age, you're going to be the father of many nations. And and it'd be very easy to look at the natural circumstances just that I faced this past week too. And though it does not exist, but somehow I'm going to still operate in faith. And I'm going to exercise some patience. And I'm going to trust that there's a promise of God that I'm going to be walking into because I'm not going to be in the valley forever. And I believe God's speaking to some of you today to walk out of your valley. It's time for some action, Jackson. You've been sitting too long, idle in your ways. Squandering time, squandering resources. And it's time to focus up on the kingdom. It's time to see what, the, 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 if this were a math equation, some of you need black and white math. It's faith plus patience. Equals the promise. There's a lack of patience in the church today, guys. There's a lack of patience. Amen. There's a lack of patience. We love to apply faith. You want to apply faith even right here today, but you expect God to do something right here today. I'm glad when He does. I love it. But some of the best things in my life, some of the best things in the kingdom have been faith plus patience in seeing the promise of God be fulfilled. Hallelujah. He's a faithful God. Faith plus patience. Galatians 6.9 tells us, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Do not grow weary. In doing good. Do not grow weary. But the challenge is, what, is that we do grow weary. You get tired. You get challenged. You get beat up. You get challenged. You fight off distractions. And you fight off the critics. And you fight through uh, financial situations. And, and it, it is difficult. And Paul reminds us, let's don't grow weary though. Let's keep doing the good thing. Let's keep marching in that. But we don't, we, sometimes we just lack endurance. It's always exciting to announce something new, isn't it? I was thinking this week, um, I don't know, over 33 years ago now, Paul and I announced for the very first time, we're having a baby. She was having a baby, but I, I got to be there too. But we as a family, we're starting our family. We're, we're having a baby, and that's exciting. But there's also a lot of dirty diapers coming. You know, we get through the excitement phase. We get through the baby shower phase. And now we're up at night. And now we're changing dirty diapers. And then we're taking, we're not going on vacation. We're taking days off work to go to the doctor's office. And I'm not playing golf on Friday. I'm going to the recital. It's exciting to announce it is new. A lot of things are like that in your life and mine. It's exciting launching the new ministry. So many of you in this room, we're going to Guatemala. We're missionaries. Now what? Oh, now what? Now I now I need now I need uh, immigration help and I need financial help and and I need, I need staff and and uh, it. Someone told me years ago that the bigger the dog, the more fleas it's got. I got a dog with fleas, guys. (laughs) It's not easy. It was always exciting to launch. 17 years ago, uh, this past week, I launched, came here to Guatemala as a missionary. It was exciting. And it didn't take me long to be miserable. And that's the way it is. And in this room, even this morning, it's not just the new things. Sometimes it's the things that that bring us pressure in our life. You're in the valley today because you're under pressure. Some of you are under pressure because you're looking for a job. But someone else is here this morning. They're under pressure because they want to quit their job. Someone else is under pressure. Man, got to find a house. Just got to just gotta find a house somewhere. And somebody else is under pressure. They're thinking, I got to sell my house. I need a buyer. I'm under pressure. People feel under pressure when they're single. Looking for Ruth, looking for Boaz. I got to find my man, find my woman. You're feeling pressure. There's other people that are under pressure. Because they thought they found the Ruth of their Boaz. And now they're under pressure wishing they were out. And that's the valley. And it's pressure. And it's not easy. But it's exciting when it's new. But perhaps today, the Spirit of the Lord would speak to someone and remind you, do not grow weary in well-doing. I called you. You've applied faith. You think it didn't take some faith for Abraham and Sarah, some faith plus some patience to deliver a promise? You see, we in in, in this where we are at this faith walk. It looks like this. Second Corinthians five seven. Paul tells us, "For we walk by faith and not by sight." We don't. We don't. We don't. Operating in faith is, yeah, I don't see it yet. I don't have it yet. The amplified of that verse is for we walk by faith, not by sight, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promise. Walk in my faith, not by sight. Romans 4, 17. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. Referring to Abraham. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Confidence. Confidence that God is with me. Confidence that I cannot cannot gain from Paula. I cannot gain from Edgar. I cannot gain from my staff. I cannot gain from any of you in church. It's a confidence that is a godly confidence. It is not an arrogance but it is a confidence that, in spite of what I see, God, I believe you're bringing me through a valley to the other side. You've given me vision, and I trust you. Great difference between sight and vision. Sight is what I see with my with my eyes open. Vision is what I see with my eyes closed. Sometimes I gotta close my eyes. Sometimes I just gotta set in what God has impressed upon me. But in spite of the noise around me, in spite of what's being manifested by people around me, in spite of what critics have to say, that I know what God has spoken. And I know what God has called me to a level of boldness and to an urgency because I believe that He is coming again soon. There's no time to play. No time to play games, but I've got to I've got to walk with my God who has proven to be faithful. There's a lot of meaning, folks, in the waiting. I'm going to walk down here for a moment. This is a better valley. But see, down in the valley. I've learned some things in the valley. There's things there's great value there. There's things for you to learn in the valley. You might learn that you know what you're you, we've got to work on some patience in you you're an instant gratification guy we've got to we've got to develop some character in you yeah yeah there, there's a vision for where we're going but in this waiting time God's using that to work with you and work on you and to to mold you into the image of Christ taking those those thoughts captive that we're working with and dealing with and bringing them obedient to Christ. I've learned a lot in the valleys. I love the mountaintops. It's awesome. But I've learned a lot in the valleys, and I've had a valley experience this past week. But I thought, how appropriate, Lord, how appropriate that you could help me Share from a place of valley. There's a different perspective there that may be helpful for someone even today. What God wants to speak into your life. What God wants to do in your life. There's times that we just get tired. I was tired this week. Reminded me though of a story. Actually many stories. My, My grandmother, she always would say, he will never leave you nor forsake you. My grandmother lived to be 94. She was, she walked with God the entire life that I, that I knew her. And I didn't always understand what she was saying. I wasn't always with her, but she was instrumental in my life. And I remember her always saying that He will never leave me nor forsake me. And I thought of that often this past week because I'm so grateful. That even now in her she's passed on, but I'm I know that I know that I know that he's with me. Though none go with me, still I will follow. I'm not selling out, I can't be bought. I've come too far. I'm not perfect, but I know one who is, and I'm following after him with every ounce of energy that He'll give me and I invite you to come and do the same. He'll not leave us. He'll not forsake us. In Exodus chapter 17, I'll close with this and anybody wants to come and play an instrument up here. I can't do that. A couple verses from Exodus. There's a battle going on here. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning this battle. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Verse 12, when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Do we have that image, please? I, no, that's not it. That was last week. There it is. A beautiful image. I, I, I'd like to have this framed, even. But Moses, exhausted, with his arms raised, by two friends, two brothers, two, two helpers, and and as long as his arms are raised, they're winning. And they set him on, set him down on a stone, and they raise his arms. And this week, as I was. Troubled and overwhelmed, and thankful that I was reminded uh, that of prayer. And we, I slipped out here, out this door, into a little quiet spot with uh, my brother Edgar and Boris, and and we gathered around. They, and they lifted my hands, and we prayed together, trusting in the Lord God Almighty. That the battle belongs to the Lord. That even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. (laughs) For his rod and his staff, they comfort us. He is with us, he's with us, church. Sometimes we lack faith, sometimes we're tired, sometimes we're under pressure, sometimes we feel like quitting. Sometimes we're weary. Sometimes we're scared. And sometimes we're just way too quiet. We're silent. But don't ever confuse, child of God, a period of silence. Don't equate that with the absence of the presence of God. He's with you. He's with me just as sure as I'm standing on this stage today. It's His power his anointing, His ability, His spirit that is over this place today. Some of you are tired. God's given you vision, and yet you're in the valley. And for a number of reasons we may have mentioned today, you find yourself like that. You, you, you really could use your arms raised. I'm going to invite you in a moment. We have people, a team of people to pray with you. And you, I'd like to anoint your head with oil and give you an opportunity to raise your hands. And let's give you the strength of the Lord, asking the Lord to strengthen you, to, to allow you to continue to walk with him. I just wonder, too, if God isn't resurrecting some dreams in this place today. given up and god's maybe speaking to you to get up get up again but you strategize and you plan and you let him help you and you quit doing things in your own strength see it's not about your network it's not about your ability it's not about how much money you got in the bank it is are you walking in obedience with the lord your god i'd love to lift some hands today we're going to sing a song. It's called Bigger Than I Thought You Were. It's a big reference to Mark chapter 9. There's a father there, and he, he's got some faith, but he's, he says, Help my unbelief. Maybe many of you here today, you need some help with your unbelief. I can tell you, there's a, there's a God that's alive. I've been talking to him all morning. (laughs) He's a good God and he loves you. He would love to pour out his spirit over you today. He's calling many of us to follow after him. To find a place of surrender that maybe you had 20 years ago, but you've you've been lacking lately. (laughs) You've been quiet, child of God. And you've been tired and you've been under pressure and you've been under so many things, but today would be the day that you just find total surrender and it might be that you need to get down on your knees and lift up holy hands and let a brother or sister come along beside you and help you raise those hands today. And let him resurrect some vision and some dreams and affirm some things in your life. You've been too glued in on that which you can see. And He's reminding you again today. He's the God that speaks life into dead things. He's the God that those things that, that it didn't look like it's going to happen, but God's coming through. He's ready to bring some life and some strength and some encouragement into your life again today. As we sing today about a God that's bigger than we thought He was. May you find victory in the presence of God this day. In Jesus' name.